This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado from Calvary Chapel of San Antonio here in San Antonio, Texas. And for this week, I have the great privilege of filling in for my pastor, Pastor Ron, who is with his beautiful wife, Paula, on vacation. So if you've uh, been a regular listener to the show, you know that this show is... Uh, a show where we want to help answer Bible questions, help uh, answer questions about what it means to be a Christian, uh, how to apply the Word of God into our lives, because that's the only way we can fall deeper in love with Jesus. Um, So with that, let me give you uh, the phone numbers and a couple of announcements, um, and then we'll get right into it. Uh, the phone number here to dial into the radio show, because this is a live show, is 210-340-9585. That's 210-340-9585. If you're out of the area, there is a toll-free number. It's 877-630-5757. We've got an email address also. You can submit your questions that way. It's questions at calvarysa.com questions, that's plural, at calvarysa.com. You can reach us through our church mobile app. Um, You can also dial in to the radio show uh, through the KSLR app. Uh, Like Pastor Ron always says, it's much safer. You don't have to fumble with your phone uh, while you're on the road. So it's the Monday edition, like I said, and so I do have a couple of announcements here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, On Mondays, we normally have our Monday night Bible studies. Um, That's the Sweet Summer Devotions that just got started, uh, the men's Monday night study, which I teach. We have the high school uh, study with Pastor Nelly and the junior high study with Chris Sanchez. All of those studies are canceled tonight. We do not have uh, Monday night studies tonight, uh, and neither do we have Monday night studies next week. So for two weeks, no Monday night studies. We return for the Monday night studies on July 2nd. So please, if you come to that Monday night study regularly or if you know someone that does, uh, please make a note for your calendar. Uh, No studies uh, for the next uh, two weeks. Second thing I already mentioned, but I do want to ask you to please keep in prayer. Uh, So Pastor Ron and Paula are on vacation right now. They are probably uh, sitting, if not 
yet they're on the way to their place that they always talk about on the beach. They're in Oceanside. And so uh, they'll be in La Jolla for a little bit and then on to Oceanside where they spend time on their favorite. Actually, they, they take ownership of that bench. There's a particular bench there that they like to sit on. And and if anybody's sitting on that bench, watch out because Mama Paula is going to kick you off. That's where they're going to sit and just listen for the Lord to speak to their hearts and breathe in that nice, cool salt water air. Uh, they call it Fred and Ethel's bench. <laughs> so uh, please keep them in prayer. Uh, I know if uh, Pastor Ron has already mentioned last week during the show, and he also told the church body here, this is a, a, a particularly important vacation time. Not only because they need the time just to breathe and, and relax and enjoy each other and enjoy their time with Jesus, but it's also an important time because uh, Pastor Ron has said he really needs to have the Lord speak to his heart. He will. The last couple of Bible studies here at the church, the Lord is really pressing upon our hearts that there is just something new he has planned here. And in order for that to take place, there's a work that God wants to do in our hearts. So, Pastor Ron wants to hear from the Lord. Paula, they really want to hear from the Lord. And come back with just a, a, a word of refreshment, a word of encouragement for the body. And um, and then we can go on and continue. So please, please, for the radio listening audience, Pastor Ron and Paula both send their love. They're doing well. Please keep them in your prayers if you can remember. So uh, oh, one more programming note. Uh, that means I will be live here on the radio show uh, this week, uh, for the date day edition this Thursday, my beautiful wife, May, will join me in the studio. We will uh, take questions just like normal on date day. And then the following week, uh, we will have pre-recorded programs. And so, I want to share one more thing uh, about yesterday's Bible study. I hope you guys had a great day at church yesterday. We did. Uh, the Bible study that Pastor Ron taught out of Luke chapter 4 wasn't a fun one uh, but it was essential it was necessary and it was all about trials it was the passage where Jesus was led into the desert by the spirit uh, to be tempted and so trials was what we talked about and the truth is nobody wants trials but we need them they're essential. We don't like them. But why are they essential? Because what Pastor Ron said yesterday is true. Trials help us grow. And trials also prove where our heart really is with the Lord. If we respond to trials inappropriately, well, then we know our heart is not right. And I'm not naive, I understand. We all do that even if nobody wants trials, there is a proper way to respond to trials. That's to cling to Jesus with all that we've got. 
even in the midst of trials, there is an unshakable joy that comes from being with Jesus that that helps us. And so, from yesterday's study, that trials is something that we need. We also, something that stuck out to me was the fact that, you know, the tactics that the enemy uses never changes. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus, he says the same things. I mean, in different words, but he says the same things to us today. And he tries to offer shortcuts. In the middle of trials, there are easy way outs. And God doesn't want us to take those easy way outs. I think of the word hupomoni that we talk about often. And it means endurance. But that word describes the word picture there is having a way out under severe pressure, but still opting to stay in the place of discomfort simply because that's what God said to do. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the necessary work or that needs to happen if the work of preparation is going to take place through those trials. And when it comes to the tactics that the enemy uses, don't ever forget this, guys. He never uses anything new. The devil, he doesn't use anything new. Why? Well, because it works. And if we keep giving in to the same things, it doesn't make any sense for him to try something else. So his tactics never change. And this is the third thing that I have that kind of stuck to my heart from yesterday's Bible study. You know, trials, they, they tire you out. We get tired of trial after trial after trial. But remember this, we get tired from the battle, but we can't grow tired of the battle. I hope that makes sense. When shortcuts are being offered to us to escape the work of preparation that the Lord wants to do in our hearts, when we're tired, those shortcuts seem really appealing. And if we get tired of the battle, well, we're going to take those shortcuts. We will get tired from the battle, but we can't grow tired of the battle. I hope that makes sense. Anyways, enough of me sharing my thoughts. I'll give the radio uh, phone numbers one more time, and then I'll open up with the questions we have listed. Uh, 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Let's go to our first question from Anonymous. Anonymous says, how do we deal with not opening up to your spouse about trials? <sighs> well, Anonymous, uh, I don't know if you're a uh, husband or a wife, but I think the counsel is the same. 
if you are married and you can't open up to your spouse about your trials, then you don't understand the biblical concept of what marriage is supposed to be like. Now, I'm going to assume that you're a believer, anonymous, uh, because this is a Christian radio show, and if you are a believer, then you have to remember this, that God has made the two become one flesh. And the picture that paints is physical, emotional, and mental. And so what that means, Anonymous, is this. If you're having trouble opening up with your spouse, opening up to your spouse about trials, then you need to get over whatever embarrassment or or, or sensitivity you have and just share your heart with your spouse. You can't let anything get in the way of your communication with your wife or your husband. You're no longer two, but one. One of my favorite verses that is in a different context, but used often to describe uh, what a biblical marriage should be is from the Old Testament. Amos's prophecy says there in chapter 3, do the two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And the idea there is this. How can you walk together if you're not on the same page? If both husband and wife are believers, then you've got to be on the same page, in one accord, like-minded, hearts knitted together, so that both of you, hand in hand, walk together with Jesus through the challenges and the trials of life. If you don't, Anonymous, and you continue to stay closed and don't open up to your spouse, then you give the enemy an opportunity to discourage you, to drive a wedge between you and your spouse. And, and that's, that's, that's a very bad thing. That opens up your, your marriage, your individual walks to all kinds of attacks. So get over your embarrassment and, and open up to your spouse. If your spouse doesn't reciprocate that, that's okay. You demonstrate Jesus' heart. If there is past pain, if there has been past offenses or, 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 or something that has rendered uh, your trust or rendered distrust in the marriage, then you repent and you let the Lord heal your marriage. The work of restoration can only be accomplished when people start walking with Jesus. There is no therapy. There are no secular counseling sessions that will get you to the place or get your marriage to the place where God wants you to be. So don't let anything stop you, Anonymous, from 
opening up to your spouse, will it be awkward? Maybe, because you haven't been transparent in the past, but you need to start. And trust Jesus. Just trust the Lord. I hope that helps. I think we have a call. Okay. Jim, on line one from San Antonio, you're on the air. Yes, Pastor Ken. Appreciate you taking the call. Um, Thanks, Jim. Question about, I have a question about actually the, the topic that Pastor Ron talked about in Bible study on Luke 4. Just the temptations of Jesus from the enemy. He, one of the temptations was, all these kingdoms I'll give you if you bow down and worship me. And then uh, Peter kind of spoke a temptation when he said, Lord forbid, you know, this never happened to you when Jesus was describing what would happen to him. But then what I'm curious about is why when the enemy entered the heart of Judas, would he use Judas to get Jesus to the cross, you know, to betray him? It seems like he would want to prevent that from happening if he knew what Jesus' intent was. Can you have some insight on that, please? Okay, Jim, uh, let me make sure I understand your, your question uh, correctly. So you're, you're, okay. are you asking why would the enemy use Judas to get Jesus to the cross? Yeah, because it looked to me like okay. his temptation in Luke 4 was against him getting that done. Correct. No, you're absolutely correct. Okay, I understand. I understand your question, Jim. So yes, let's. So let's state what we know to be true. We know that the enemy, this is Satan, was going to do everything and anything he can to try to prevent Jesus from getting to the cross, uh, even if he knew it wasn't going to succeed. But that's what his goal was, and he was going to use every resource available to him. Early in Jesus' ministry at the very beginning, what we talked about yesterday was simply Satan's attempt to get Jesus to disobey, and he wouldn't. And I love the fact that Jesus, like Pastor Ron had mentioned yesterday, always referred to Scripture. He was not going to be shaken from that. So that we know to be true. Uh, when it came later on in the ministry, uh, and the, the disciples came along, uh, Satan had his way with Judas. And I, I think we may be giving the enemy a little bit too much credit in thinking that using Judas would actually help Jesus to get to the cross. Now, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, but I don't think the enemy thought of it that way. I, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking, but he yeah, was, again, yeah. focused on doing anything and everything to sidetrack Jesus's ministry. And so why he would use Judas, it's because Judas's heart was given over to the devil. And, and, and if there was someone that was willing to be used by the enemy, well, the enemy would jump all over that. And I think it's just as simple as that, Jim. I, I do agree with you. We see the enemy's intentions at the beginning are to sidetrack Jesus, and that doesn't change just because he used Judas. But I, 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 I think we, we, we need to be careful of giving him too much credit by maybe he didn't have the foresight. I, I, I don't know the right wording, but he, I don't think he meant to use Judas in any way, but 
to harm Jesus and to, to dissuade him or distract him. Now, both you and I know that actually helped him. But I think the main point we get from that is that the enemy is looking to use any and every resource available to him to, dis- to prevent the work of God. Now, I don't know if that d- directly answers your question, but uh, I hope that helps. Does it that help helps. you, Jim? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Jim. Uh, let's go ahead and go back to the phone lines. Uh, Joe from San Antonio, you're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ken. Hi, Joe. Can you hear me? <laughs> I uh, have a question about um, Christians and, I guess, um, contrast in, like, um, faith in God versus faith in, like, our future. So, like, investing and saving and, um, you know, retirement and stuff. Because I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that kind of stuff right now. Um, and I was talking to someone else in the church, and he said that some people tend to think that you shouldn't save for the future because, um, you, you know, um, the Lord's just going to take care of you no matter what. Um, and so I, I had never... Uh, thought of it like that like I thought maybe it was kind of kind of a both you know it's wise to I was thinking of the Proverbs 31 woman who um, she she sells um, things to the merchants she she goes to the marketplace she works with her hands so she's working and she's saving she plants a vineyard which seems like an investment Um, and so she's doing it smart but she is a woman of faith so can you comment on on that Yes, great question, by the way, Joe. So we're coming up on a break here in a a few minutes. I think I have time to answer the question. If not, and I'll go a little long, I'll I'll, I'll finish it uh, after the break. Uh, The one thing we know for sure, okay, let, let me answer the question directly, and then I'll go into detail. It's not wrong to prepare for your future. But it is wrong to let it consume you. We know that walking by faith, which is what the Bible tells us believers to do, means that we don't put our hope in ourselves. We don't put our hope into things of this world. But our hope lies only in Jesus. So the things of this world will fall apart and and, and investments will fail you relationships will fail you and and no amount of planning will prevent heartbreak or disappointment now with that said it isn't um, wrong and it isn't wrong to prepare for your future I mean it's it's responsibility uh, to be a good steward with what God has given you now what that means uh, that's for no person to tell you. You simply walk with Jesus and you're obedient to do what he says to do with the resources he's given you. And you don't let anyone tell you uh, what to do with your resources, with your money, with your whatever it may be. You let the Lord tell you. But it isn't wrong. Remember, and I said earlier, 
you can't let it consume you. Just like the man in Luke chapter 12. Jesus is telling a, a parable about a man who saved up everything. And, and his intent was uh, to be the richest person. He wanted to, like the example I gave, be super prepared for whatever happens. So, so this parable of the rich fool, he stockpiles all of his resources. And then that verse, Jesus says, you fool, today your life will be taken from you. And is it this very night your life will be demanded of you? Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is a person that was so over-prepared, he was not prepared for what was really happening in his future. And I think that's the warning we need to consider. So, Joe, is it wrong? No, it's absolutely not wrong. But it is wrong to be overly consumed with what's going to happen in the future. Be prepared. Be a good steward with what you have. And then, and then uh, trust the Lord to take care of whatever's going to happen. One general principle that, that, that applies to finances and, and, and really every part of life is this. God will give you the grace you need when you need it. You know, when difficulties happen, God already knows it's going to happen. And so, uh, Joe, I hope that helps. You can hear the music. That means we are done with the first half of the Monday edition of the radio show. Uh, I'm Pastor Ken Cruzado. I will be back after the break in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the Monday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. If you're just tuning in, uh, my name is Ken Cruzado. I'm one of the staff pastors here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. And this week, I have the wonderful privilege of filling in for Pastor Ron. He is on vacation, and both him and Paula are enjoying themselves in the Southern California sun. And so keep them in your prayers. They send their love. They will be back here on the radio show in a couple of weeks. I think that's July 2nd. Uh, but yes, Pastor Ron sends his love um, and so that, let's continue back to the show. Uh, this is a live show to take your calls and questions to help you understand what the Bible says. And so we need your phone calls. Uh, the phone number I'll quickly give you, and then I have a caller waiting, is 210-340-9585. That's 210-340-9585. Well, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, line 1, Jimmy from San Antonio, you're on the air. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, Jimmy. I can hear you great. Okay. Hey, um, I heard you talking about uh, planning for your future. Well, I didn't plan for my future very well. I thought I did, but uh, I'm only going to get a retirement from the Navy. 
deserves. I guess some security. And I always, I, I, okay. I don't ask God every day, but I, I, you know, I don't need a lot. Just provide me with uh, okay. over my head and transportation. I can help, Jimmy. And I, uh, if I, I know you call the show regularly. Uh, we might have even met in person, so I know that you uh, are a b- born again believer. And so, because of that, uh, I have some great encouragement for you. Let me tell you this, Jimmy. Uh, you're not alone. Many people, uh, including myself in the past, have made poor decisions that directly affect uh, planning for your future. And in terms of uh, you know, financial resources and having money available uh, for retirement. And like I was telling the caller earlier, um, you can't let that consume you. I understand that when you have a, a bank account or, or, or an investment fund that has a certain number uh, there's a level of comfort you can't help but have, but we can't put our hope in our comfort can't be based on the things of this world, including money. Uh, does that mean it's going to be easy? No, absolutely not. But uh, God didn't intend for everything to be easy for us. Otherwise, we wouldn't trust him. We wouldn't walk by faith. And that's the key, Jimmy. So forget about what you did or didn't do in the past in terms of poor planning and focus on what the Lord wants to do today and what he wants to do going forward and 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 I would say this don't focus so much on uh, you know what decisions you need to make for your investment uh, those are important and you need to seek the Lord if that's what you're going to do again there's nothing wrong with that but even more importantly because you're a believer, you know what the future holds. And, and not only that, because the grace that God has given you, Jimmy, is the grace that will give you the fullness of life that he intends for you today. Practically speaking, uh, that doesn't necessarily have to depend upon how much money you have. There are... There are countless stories of people I know personally here in our church body who God has shown off in so much and continues to show off in because they trust him. They may not have a a pension plan or investment fund for the future, but instead of letting that consume them or cause worry, Jimmy, what they're doing is just simply walking with Jesus today. And I think that's what we need to do. Let the Lord take care of what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. But whatever happens, God will give us the grace we need to deal with whatever comes. Does that mean we go the extreme opposite and become irresponsible with our finances? No, of course not. Extremes are never good. But don't let that consume you, Jimmy. Walk with Jesus today. Spend the grace that he's given you today. Be obedient, and then you go to sleep and wake up in the morning and do the same thing all over again. 
And then what you'll find, Jimmy, is you're no longer worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or in the future. But instead, what you'll do is you'll enjoy your walk with the Lord. Does that help, Jimmy? I do. I just think about that. But I know what well, you're saying. And you know what? It's it's you're not alone. Everybody, we we think about that often because we worry about those things. But that's when we need to stop ourselves and say, "Okay, Jesus, but what do you want me to think about? What do you want me to think about?" I promise you this, Jimmy. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't want you to be anxious about what lies ahead. Yeah, Philippians. That's right. That's right. Chapter four, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter six. He provides yeah, for the sparrow. Yeah. Yes. Meditate on that. That is a rock-solid gold nugget right there in Philippians chapter 4. But those are the things we need to meditate on, Jimmy, okay? Right, sir. Alama, thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for calling. Well, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got uh, Mark from Austin on line 2. Mark, you're on the air. Hi, uh, I'm a Christian, and, and I work at a place that several people that have been there come and go and have said it's haunted. I don't believe in ghosts. I believe in demons. But anyway, they said things moving around, doors shutting, and I just kept blowing it off. And then one day when I was sitting in my chair, I looked over and saw a guy with a cap on and, a sh- and like a word shirt just staring at me like a real evil look. And then he disappeared. And I'm just wondering, I mean, I don't take this seriously because I don't believe, I believe they're just demons. But I wonder, I guess I'm wondering, because I see a lot of ghosts and haunting stuff on TV. What's the agenda? I mean, why does the devil Mm. do this kind of nonsense? Because I'm not going to believe that Uncle Freddy's visiting somebody I just don't (laughs) think it's a demon. But I mean, what what do you think would be the reason why I would see that and why this is happening? Mark, great question. Uh, and uh, I have an answer for you. You know, specific to your question, what's the reason why the devil would allow these things to happen? First of all, you're absolutely correct in your assessment. Uh, haunted places and the, 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 this nonsense. Uh, we do know that there are demons. We know that there is a spirit world where all kinds of spiritual warfare is going on. Uh, but the reason why these things happen, and I alluded to this earlier for, for a different question, is because all the enemy wants to do is take our attention off of Jesus. Every single second, you or somebody else spends uh, worrying about you know what moved or what door opened or who's that over there or uh, is a second spent not being with Jesus, not thinking about Jesus. And the enemy, you know, he is cunning. He is slick. He's not going to ring our doorbell uh, with a a pitchfork in hand and a scary-looking face. He's attractive. He's uh, seductive. And all he wants to do is take our attention off of Jesus. Because when we're with him, when our heart and mind are focused on things above, Colossians chapter 3, then we're going to hear from Jesus, and then we'll see that all this other stuff is nonsense. Yes, there is demonic activity all around us, but it doesn't have to freak us out. 
it doesn't have to scare us. So, Mark, I think your perspective, your attitude is right. Um, uh, don't give it more merit than it deserves, which is none. You simply go back to Jesus. And because I know you're, you're uh, just like everybody else, we're human, we get distracted by things. Once we recognize that we've been distracted, we just turn back around and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn my attention back to you. I don't need to know what made that noise. I don't really need to know who that is over there. I just need to know that I'm with you so that whatever is going on, it doesn't matter. I'll be okay. And that's what you need to do, Mark. So the answer to your question is, why does he do it? It's because he just wants to take our attention off of Jesus. Even if for a second, just for one second, well, then he's accomplished what he set out to do. So the way we respond to that is by recognizing things for for what they are and then just uh, continue on with Jesus. So Mark... Uh, does that help? Maybe I could like plead the blood of Christ over the place and just rebuke out uh, anything if they if earth because everybody else there is atheist and an unbeliever. If that opens the door and I couldn't really get that stuff out because maybe because they blaspheme and mock God, it's like a bad. And I'm the only Christian in there. I mean, would I be able to do that? Get it out or? Uh, well, here's what you need to do, Mark. First of all, you don't need to do any of that. That 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 silliness isn't going to help you at all. In fact, it will just detract people from seeing Jesus. Uh, you don't need to plead the blood. You don't need to cast out anything or rebuke anyone. Uh, all you need to do is be with Jesus. Set your mind and your heart on things above. Practically, what that means, Mark, is this. Like, if you're sitting there at work and you're surrounded by your coworkers who are all unbelievers and some weird noise happens uh, or, or something weird happens and then when your coworkers are freaking out and saying, you know, there goes the ghost again or whatever, you can simply at that moment choose to say, I'm going to be with Jesus. And you can tell your co-workers who are unbelievers the reason why you're not shaken by these things, the reason why you're not worried about these things is because you know that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It doesn't matter what's going on outside. And, and, yeah, and I got it's, you. It's a perfect example, Mark, also to remind them, look, your circumstances that surround you do not dictate uh, your, your, your hope or your joy. It's Christ living in you who's the hope of glory. And, and that is so attractive, Mark, because when people who don't have Jesus are shaken by these things, they'll look at you and they'll say, well, why aren't you worried or scared? Again, because you know you're not alone. You know that Jesus is always with you and that you're with him. And so what goes on around you doesn't have to shake you. Uh, it doesn't have to worry you because you're going to be okay with Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I was just wondering if there's any prayer. I don't know how they can be atheists and believe in ghosts either, but anyway, that's, I've never figured <laughs> right? that one out either. But, and they blaspheme like constantly. But anyway, thanks a lot. You're welcome, Mark. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Uh, let me add one more thing to Mark's 
question. Uh, he didn't ask specifically, but I think this is important. Uh, you know, when people are, or some of our radio listeners, maybe you're in a workplace that's similar to Mark's, not haunted or anything, but you're surrounded by unbelievers, people who don't share the same love and passion for Jesus that you do. Uh, let me encourage you. You know, when Paul was writing to Titus, and he was telling Titus about uh, slaves in the workplace in chapter 2, what he was telling them was this. As far as it pertains to believers who are slaves going into the workplace, he was telling Titus to tell them to be a good worker, submit to your bosses, and, and, and be the best employee. That's our modern lingo. Be the best employee that you can be in everything that you do. So you're showing up to work on time. You're, you're, you're spending your time on the clock doing the things that you're supposed to do. You're not on your phone. You're not on Facebook, you're not on Instagram, you're not, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to, you're not even reading your Bible. Because you're supposed to be on the clock doing work. So do your work. And in that example, you show what a Christian is supposed to be like. Your boss ought to be able to say, you know what, I wish I could clone you because I want more just like you. And so for Christians, we need to rightly represent Christ at work. And when we're surrounded by people who aren't believers, there's a temptation there just to give in and do what everybody else is doing. But what Paul says to Titus is this, not only be submissive to your own masters, but you're supposed to be a one that doesn't argue. It doesn't fight with people. Uh, you... You're supposed to be one that is well-pleasing to your bosses. The uh, one that doesn't steal. But here's the part that I love the most. But you show to everyone that the teaching of God's word is attractive. That's what he says. It's in the NIV. Uses the specific wording. And I really love that because unbelievers in your workplace get to see you every day. And what they're doing is watching you. Even if you don't realize it, even if they don't admit it, when you say you're a Christian, you're automatically the target of scrutiny that nobody else will receive. Why? Because they want to find a flaw, a, a chink in your armor, so where they can say, aha, you see, you're just like me. Why would I need Jesus if I'm already the same way you are? But what they should see is exactly this. The teaching of God becomes attractive in your life. That's exactly what happens when you walk with Jesus, when you're with him, when you obey him. And so people are attracted to that. So, Mark, I, I hope that encourages you. Thank you for your question. Uh, let's go back to 
Uh, oh, I got a question submitted from Rose. Is it necessary to get married according to the government? Uh, Rose, the answer is yes. Uh, marriage uh, is instituted by God as it's described in the Bible, but it's also part of the law. And if you're a Christian, Rose, then you can't just be one of these people that I I hear today all the time. Well, you know what? We've been together for 10 years and common law marriage is taken into effect. So I believe I'm a believer and I don't think I need a piece of paper now, that may not be your exact sentiment, Rose. I hope it isn't. But that kind of attitude is one, again, that doesn't understand uh, the biblical concept of marriage. So, yes, you should get a marriage license recognized by the local government so that you're not in violation of any laws. Plus, I think it's a great way to, and I, Rose, I don't know if this is the root of your question, but it's a, a, a wonderful way to show between um, husband and wife that, that this, the, the husband in particular isn't treating the marriage like, you know, it's, or the marriage license just like a piece of paper. I'm always concerned when I hear that. And I love the way Pastor Ron says it because it's absolutely true. If he treats, and I say he because this is commonly the kind of counseling I have to give to the male, but if he treats that piece of, that, that marriage license just like it's a piece of paper that's not really relevant before the marriage, well, guess what? That's exactly what he's going to treat it like after the wedding. And that's just a red flag. So, Rosa, I hope that helps. Let's go back to the submitted questions. Here's one that I knew was coming. Uh, this one submitted actually by multiple people um, asking basically the same thing. Uh, Pastor Ken, recently the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, cited Romans 13 verse 1 to justly separate children from their parents who are illegally crossing the US some religious leaders very parentheses uh, very few while others are silent have criticized him two questions what's the church's view on this issue and the second one is uh, how should we as Christians respond to this thank you so first, let me say this. I am always skeptical when I hear government officials quoting the Bible. I don't know their hearts and I don't know their motives, but I know this. Their priority isn't to teach the Bible properly so that God would save people and forgive them of their sin. There's always some type of ulterior motive. And in this case, it's also true. So... With that said, you know Pastor Ron is uh, here over and over again from our pulpit and even from this radio mic. We don't want to waste any time engaging in political talk. That's not what we do. 
we want to spend our time talking about Jesus and we want to spend our time talking about the Bible. But since I'm asked, let me answer your questions. What's the church's view on this? I obviously cannot speak for other churches, but, but our church here, we are committed to teaching the Bible and committed to obeying it, even if our law makes Bible teaching illegal. Now, right now it isn't, uh, but the way things are going, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But more importantly, the second part of your question is this, how should we Christians respond? And this is very important. Uh, please hear my heart here. Our job as Christians is not to rally people for government reform. Our job as Christians isn't to go and make every social wrong right and, and go and, and, and institute social reform. Uh, one thing you have to remember when this passage in Romans chapter 13, even in First Peter, when Peter himself, along with Apostle Paul, both wrote about believers submitting to the governing authorities, they were under a governmental authority in Nero who was far worse than anything we could imagine. And what they wrote was this. We submit to the governing authorities knowing that God is the one that put them there. It doesn't mean that every decision they make is going to represent the Lord. But our response to this should be to cling closer to Jesus than ever before. That's what we should do. Now, I will say this. Our job is to tell people about Jesus. No matter where they come from. Here at Calvary Chapel, we don't care how people got into our building. We don't care how they got to church. We definitely don't ask them. But they're here. And we're happy that they're here. So that they can hear about Jesus. They can hear the word of God taught. And God could touch their hearts. Uh, I have no political opinion on the policy itself, but both sides do things that don't make sense to me. All I care about is what Jesus thinks, and Jesus wants people to get saved. People, uh, Jesus wants people to hear his word. And and he can't do that you know, when they're not here. And so, uh, I, I know that doesn't address the political part of the question, but I don't want to. I just want to share what Jesus says. Well, you can hear the music. And that means we are finished with the Monday edition of the radio program. Thank you for the people that have called. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado. I will be filling in for Pastor Ron this week. See you tomorrow at 4 o'clock on the Word to Stand On for Life. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Calvary.